welcome to today's FDF Scotland webinar and discussion on protecting and retaining your workforce uh, through recovery. Um, this is uh, kind of a, a web discussion, but we'll also be recording parts of it uh, on audio and making it available as a podcast because we've got a wide range of people who are interested in understanding from the industry perspective what the industry needs are. My name is David Thompson and I'm the Chief Exec of the Food and Drink Federation Scotland. Uh, the FDF is an industry-funded trade association representing food and drink businesses of all sizes, from Scottish family businesses through to global brands, and we're a division of the UK Trade Association, the Food and Drink Federation. So the aim of this session is to be a guided conversation. Uh, so I'm delighted to welcome Helen Muir from the Scotland Food and Drink Skills Board, um, uh, who's a, the HR Director at Dawn Fresh. Um, what we're going to do is have a discussion on a couple of key points, um, and to help prompt our discussion, we've asked Helen to uh, to prepare a couple of slides in response to a couple of questions. So I'll ask the question, um, Helen will speak a little bit to our slides which will be shared with you, uh, and then what we want to have is a, a broader conversation amongst all the participants in the discussion uh, about some of the key questions on recovery um, and skills needs. Um, if you do talk, uh, I'll try and draw you in uh, from what I can see and hear. Uh, but it would be really good also if you said who you were um, as well to help people understand who's asking the question. Um, so without further ado, the first question uh, um, that we want to talk about and ask about is what are the most immediate skills needs uh, now to support um, your workforce in the recovery? Um, and also what help do you need to help deliver that? So um, Helen, if it's okay, I'm going to pass over to you. Your slide is now up um, and you should be able to talk to it. Thanks, David. Hi, everyone. I was asked to talk to you today through some of our immediate skills needs and Dawn Fresh and what we've identified over the last few months whilst we've still been operational and working through COVID. What we have identified as we had to move very fast paced in the company is that we felt resilience is something that we feel our people will need some training on. Um, because the, the events that have happened in the last three to four months, I think a lot of people have felt a bit overwhelmed. And, and to help them maintain some sort of balance in their life, we felt that resilience could be something that our people would appreciate some training and coaching on. And another skill we felt that's needed right now is mental health. Uh, so many people have been affected by this. And as we are living in uncertain times and times that no one's ever had to deal with before, it has affected employees in different ways. And we feel that, again, mental health would be something uh, we need to develop further. We do have mental health first aiders in the business, and they have been running various awareness sessions, and they're also holding one-to-one -one sessions in our business. And we also have our on-site occupational health team helping us with that as well. But again, I think it's definitely a need for more uh, mental health training for managers, et cetera, in the business to be helping the employees through these difficult times. Uh, communication was another skill. I don't think we could ever over communicate, especially in the middle of this. I think it's something we need to do so much of. But it's it's coaching our managers again and people how to communicate and what communication skills and what medium to use and and. And using, especially at times like this, empathy when they're communicating and, and good listening skills. Listen to employees, involve your employees and have empathy. So I think uh, just, again, some coaching of our managers on communication, I think, is very key 
as an immediate skill, that's something that was brought to light a lot during these times. And, and change management, as everyone would agree, um, to stay open, we had to go at quite a fast pace. We really had to move. And, and every day, there was change. Every day, we put in a new process. We go and check it works, and then we might need to alter it again. And then the next process come up, or the next procedure had to change. So the speed of change was one thing that we were well aware of. It was such a fast pace. Um, we needed a lot of agility. So again, change management would be something that we would say is definitely a, a requirement for people to understand change and be able to accept it and see it as positive. With regard to other training skills, IT, if ever we needed IT skills and to be able to use them better, it's just now, I think, especially so much use of this online technology for meetings, for keeping in touch, for doing business, for everyday business, it's how we've got through the last 16 weeks in lockdown is through IT skills, but there's definitely a need to improve that. And as we become more into semi-automation in our factories, etc., there is a need to do a lot more training on IT skills as we move more and more towards that automation on the lines. And then it comes down to modern apprenticeships as well. We've got a large modern apprenticeship programme and one of the challenges we've had is delivering the work-based element of that uh, and to maintain social distancing. So that's an immediate need uh, to be able to keep going and to keep the programme going. It's slowed down a bit because of social distancing and just trying to get overcome some of the challenges. But that is a need. How do we continue to do that and get our apprenticeships through all the frameworks? So what kind of support would we require? I think for now, the support that we require are kind of blended learning courses, more courses online, and as I say, some of them to definitely be more blended. I think that'd be very helpful and for the provide training providers to help us with that and people, again, like Skills Development Scotland and where they can help us develop um, a lot more of a blended learning as opposed to um, work-based would be helpful. A lot more online learning, um, a lot more virtual learning courses, and and a lot of that can you know where our employees can just go on and and do a lot of courses online. So I think we've had to move from kind of face-to-face -face learning more to online and virtual learning. So I would say that's some of the kind of key things that are our immediate skills. I'm not sure how other people what's happening in their businesses, but certainly that's what's happening in ours. I hope that helps and maybe stimulates the discussion. Back to you, David. Thank you very much, Helen. So there was a lot in there. Um, so the, the the point now is to have a, a conversation uh, about what Helen has said, and this is focusing on the immediate skills needs, and we'll come into the more kind of medium-term skills needs uh, in the second part of the session. So for those of you who are representing businesses, uh, does this resonate with you? Are there things that you would pull out as particularly important, or are there things that you would pull out that have been different for your business? Uh, than what Helen has presented. Um, and for those of you who are in a position of supporting businesses, uh, number one, is this the kind of thing that you uh, are also hearing? Uh, and number two, uh, what does that make you think in terms of the support that you need to offer to businesses? Just um, And so does anyone want to come in and uh, pitch in? I mean, I mean do uh, um, what does what Helen has presented provide a good picture of what's happening uh, and what you're seeing? So, oh, go on, Gary. Uh, no, it's okay, Alison, on you go. Never, never shy to jump in. Um, <laughs> I, I, I guess, I guess in our business, we. Uh, so I work for McSween. Um, we're a, we're an SME, around 50 people. I wasn't pre 
the risk assessment, the, the, the great work that the FDF have done helping us with the, the route map was great. I hadn't realized how much anxiety our team would be suffering from. Um, and I felt personally overwhelmed um, and lacking the skills, lacking the skills to help. The, the amount of conflicts and interpersonal issues I've dealt with um, has been absolutely astronomical. And you know, the the way to to get through that conflict resolution is, I think, David, you 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 know, you said before the the meeting kicked off that conflict resolution might be something to offer. I think that would be that would be awesome. Almost like HR first aid as well as mental mental health first aid. Thanks, Alistair. Uh, Jerry, you wanted to come in? Yeah, thanks, David. Hey, thanks, Helen. I find that really interesting just in terms of the kind of journey you've been through with Don Fresh and the issues you've highlighted. And certainly that kind of resonated with me in terms of some of the employers I've spoken to within the industry. Um, I think in terms of modern apprenticeships and work-based learning is going to present both an opportunity and a challenge in terms of, kind of moving forward. For a lot of our uh, apprenticeship programmes, they've kind of ground to halt because um, there is that challenge in terms of putting trainers, assessors and verifiers in the workplace to deliver that kind of programme of work. But certainly apprenticeships have always been seen as one of the key drivers for the government in terms of economic development, in terms of providing a pipeline for new entrants into industry, but also as a, as a workforce development tool. And I know, Helen, that you do a, a lot of apprenticeships at, at Dawn Fresh, and I know that kind of grind to halt won't quite suit the business at the moment. But certainly we've been working with our provider network to really start to consider different approaches in terms of um, how we can deliver our programmes in the future. And it's very much kind of looking at that kind of virtual delivery and also that kind of blended learning approach where you will need to have, um, in some situations, trainers within the business working with you, but equally in terms of how some of that training can be delivered. It can be delivered more virtually. The assessment can be delivered, kind of captured in terms of through smartphones or on iPads in terms of how the kind of practical application of that apprenticeship is actually being uh, undertaken. So I think in moving forward, it's going to provide an opportunity to do things much more efficiently uh, and using technology in a more kind of like uh, appropriate way. Sounds great, Jerry. I look forward to that develop and we're hearing more. That'd be really good. Any other reflections from anyone on the uh, call about um, the types of skills needs that the crisis has presented to you? I was interested, I think, in um, Helen. You 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 talked a bit uh, there about um, kind of the mental health and um, uh, so on, but I mean. I, I think that I've heard from a lot of businesses that they need to reinforce messages repeatedly um, around uh, safety and things like two meter distancing and the changes in the production environment. Is that is that something that you've um, had to work quite hard on in terms of health and safety understanding and uh, of kind of drilling it into everyone as they uh, as they work and operate in the factory? Yeah, um, I think health and safety for us. As far as health and safety, all of our people go through health and safety training anyway, so that wasn't that difficult for us to do. But as we introduced every part of social distancing, we trained it out line by line because we had to introduce the two-meter line where we couldn't. We put in screens 
special PPE. Uh, we changed shift start and finish times, break times. So there was there was a whole change program that we had to train out to every employee because we were basically changing every, the way they worked, the times they worked, the way they worked, how they would come in and out the building. There's two meter markings all the way from the entrance of the site to all the all the doors, even in all the corridors, canteens, everywhere. So there was a lot of training out initially. And I say, we put together what we called a, a hub. And that's made up of our employees, union representatives, and managers, and across all our sites. And we have daily walk rounds with certain numbers in that team and they were initially helping us train that out and look at it and how does it work but they're also what we call our COVID champions so if they see something that's not working right then they go and reinforce it but it's to be in a in a softer way because everyone's just learning as we go here and sometimes people forget and it's a big enough and saying to someone excuse me but could you remember you've got to be two meters apart and sometimes you get someone going to look at something on the line and and you know, sometimes it happens to be our, you know, our frontline managers. It's not necessarily our operatives, but they got to look at something and then they, and then they realise they shouldn't. But we've got our champions, and they just say, "Could you stand back, please?" Yeah, you've got to reinforce it. And but in our, we send a weekly comms to every single employee, and we deliver that by email. For the last three weeks, we've had to really stress the social distancing thing because we've been finding more instances of people um, forgetting. Especially as the lockdown's easing, it's it's almost as if they're becoming a wee bit more relaxed. Yeah, I think I, I think that's um, I think that's fair, um, and, and we've seen that in a number of businesses as well, and and that's why we've uh, continually rehearsed the need to uh, reinforce social distancing across businesses and so so a whole range of our uh, partners. Moira, did you want to come? In? Yeah, no, I was just I was it was interesting that Helen said that because when we've been contacting members, obviously a number of them have said the same as well that they've had to keep reinforcing the messages about social distancing, about health and safety, and trying to find innovative ways of putting that message across. So rather than just using the same the same tried and tested routines, they're actually trying to alternative means of doing it. Um, and I can't remember what some of them are, but that, that seems to be quite common as well. But interestingly, a number of people have also said that their staff actually feel safer in their workplace because health and safety is such a given. In, in food and drink. So they've actually had feedback from their staff that they actually feel safer there. Um, and I just wondered if that is something else that other people have maybe established as well. Maybe Alistair or Moira, I know that, that you're there as well. If if you know, how have your staff reacted to the, the demands of, of increased health and safety and, and maintaining the messages as well? So um it's 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 very interesting listening to, to Helen and you know the, the idea of safety champions is is it's something we've tried generally before COVID. Um, our confusions come from the, the, the different advice that's been given. You know, we've got some really um, uh, bright people in our organisation, very IT literate. And then we've got some very bright people in our own, uh, business that are maybe a little older and not quite so IT literate. Um, so I've had to deal with questions from why are the World Health Authority saying it's one metre and everybody else is saying two metres are face coverings, face masks, they PPE. But once they're in the factory, Moira, I think I think you're spot on. The, the areas I've had problems with is the smoking shelters, 
um, you know, people sharing cars. Once they're in the business, hand washing and everything is, is second nature. Well, I see you've got your mic on. Do you, do you want to say something as well? David, can I come in there? Yes, please, that would be great. Uh, Alistair, see with regard to your smoking shelters, have you put more smoking shelters or extended them to try and help with the social distancing? We're an incredibly small site. We've we've got up, well our smoking shelters are converted bike shelter. What what we've done is we've staggered the brakes in an attempt to try and um, to reduce that. It's it's a really pertinent point. I've been talking our, our environmental health department have been very helpful, um, and they've been giving us some suggestions and examples of what other customers are doing. Uh, not customers, businesses are doing. But yeah, it's it's particularly difficult for us because. You know, we, we don't have that resources in, in, inside us. The hygiene shift, they all, they all share a car in, you know, and, and, and they don't know whether are they better coming on public transport or are they better coming on a car? And I, I don't know how to answer those. Yeah, that's a difficult one when they're traveling in one car. We've asked our people if they feel more comfortable just to wear a face mask where there's more than two or more sharing a car. And that's all we can do. Yeah, that's certainly the advice we've given to um, our teams that are coming in on the buses and we've provided hand sanitizers. Our, our risk assessments really, really focused on this, um, you know, hands to face transmission. One of, the, one of the chaps a couple of weeks ago said, you know, why aren't we wearing face masks? Um, so we've provided some disposable ones for them. But, you know, um, on one of the on one of the FDF updates, you know, taking them on and putting them off can actually increase the risk of getting the viruses on your hands. It's uh, it, it, it's just so complicated, you know. Um, our chairman is involved in another food business, um, and one of their biggest customers has said that we want everybody in your factory wearing face masks. So they've had to go away, and I mean they're much bigger than us, 400 people. So they've had to go away and 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 find where to buy these these face coverings from. I mean we so have some... yeah. So so there's obviously a um uh you know a big issue around health and safety and how that how that impacts there. Are there any other uh, immediate skills issues before we move on to the to, to the more medium term? John. Uh, John Murray, Highland Food and Drink Club. So I'm representing other companies. So it's just really a bit in my own head about signposting, about um, where, where would the companies go if they're unsure to, for a bit of signposting on, on skills, et cetera. Is, would it be the, the skills, would it be yourself, Moira, covering all or, or Jerry, or is, is there a single point of contact for for skills around health and safety, John, or um, skills well, I, th I think there'll be a lot of uncertainty, like going going forward. But um, it's really, is there even a web or, or you know, I'm trying to get it in my own head. Where would I direct them to, if you like, if they've got uncertainty? Because like um, Hel Helen's spot on there, I think nailed it really. Um, but not all companies will be that organised. Yeah, so so um, if it's particularly around health and safety and various other things, then obviously there's a wide range of support. So going from uh, the Scottish Government uh, and Food Standards Scotland, they have a, a clear checklist uh, um, about what to do as part of the dealing with COVID-19. Um, and that's a, a really good manufacturing checklist there. Uh, the Food Standards Scotland website has that. Uh, and then, of course, there's various trade associations. So Scotland Food and Drink, a newsletter, as you'll know, John, which has uh, a wide range of information about it. And if you're a member of uh, FDF Scotland, uh, we have you know, web resources and various other things that draw uh, in all sorts of, of guidance. So there's lots of different places in particular um, around, um, uh, around the immediate skills needs and the types of thing that can help. 
businesses and particularly those who haven't uh, continued to produce. So a lot of businesses are, are like um, Helen's and Alistair's where um, they've continued to produce over the uh, lockdown period, but with massive changes to the factory environment uh, and massive changes to the staff environment. Uh, whereas uh, a number of other businesses, food and drink businesses, have shut down in, in, in practice because they didn't feel they could deliver social distancing or they've been exposed to the food service uh, or hospitality market, which has, of course, been uh, much less active. In either case, having a look at the Food Standards Scotland checklist, for example, is a really good place to start. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks John. OK, uh, what we're going to do is move on now to the uh, more medium term skills needs. So. The question that we uh, pose to Helen to have a think about and then to aim to have a discussion is what skills needs do you see over the next six to 12 months for yourself? And again, what support is needed? Because, again, we are seeing uh, a huge amount of change. Uh, we're seeing maybe differences in the way that customers uh, will operate. We're seeing differences in the ways that um, you know social distancing will still need uh, to be in place uh, over the next six to 12 months. But we're also hoping to see a strong recovery of the economy and a strong recovery of the drink industry over the next six to 12 months. So um, what are the key skills needs um, that businesses will need to um, continue to support them being more resilient uh, as we move forward? So Helen, you've had a little bit of a think about that. So I'll pass over to you. Thanks. Thanks very much, David. So thinking about our future needs as we come out of this, I think leadership and management skills will be key and particularly leadership. I think leadership and at all levels. A lot of people sometimes think leadership is for maybe the board or that next line of management, but it's not. Leadership is for everyone. And I think we need to concentrate more on our leadership programme. Emotional intelligence, I think, coming of this and how to deal with people and how our managers deal with our people, deal with situations. I think emotional intelligence will be a key attribute in managers going forward as well and in dealing with situations that we've just dealt with. And there'll be things coming at us in the next six, 12 months that we've not even thought of. And I think emotional intelligence in our managers will be helpful. Coaching, mentoring as ever, it's something we have an ongoing program of in our business, but I think it has to continue and probably even more bring that to the front for more managers. I don't think we need to be innovative. So a lot more innovation. I think it's innovation in our products, but innovation in our thinking and how we work as well. We need to become a lot more innovative. And certainly data science. We're great at gathering all this data. You know, we've got all of these production systems, finance systems, systems for everything. But what do we do with the information? So really good data science people, data analytics will be key, I know, for our business going forward. We've got to make sure we're making the right decisions based on the right information. And then on the kind of what we call the harder training skills, that the on-the-job skills, I think we need to look at our succession planning. Where will our next leaders come from? Time management. I think that's certainly come to the fore. Project management, absolutely. That's been something where I think everything we've done in the last three, four months has been one project after another. And then we have to make sure that we're continually improving and we're looking at our lean manufacturing skills and making sure that we are very efficient so that we continue to stay in business in these uncertain times. 
So what kind of support will we require? And I think uh, training to help us develop online solutions and training content. We'll need support in delivering lean programs and Six Sigma. And we certainly want to continue more heavily with graduate apprenticeships. I think it's important that we bring young people into the workplace and they can do their university degree whilst working on the job. I think promoting graduate apprenticeships were a big thing where young people are leaving school and wondering what are the options. And I think coming into business and doing a graduate apprenticeship so you're working while you're learning, I think that's key for us. And again, it helps us feed your talent pipeline. I hope that was helpful. Back to you, David. Thank you very much. So um, a, a, another range of things there and very much, I think, around um, some of the soft skills as well as the, the, the harder skills that are required going forward. I, I'm going to take Chairman's prerogative first and ask you a direct question, though, um, uh, Helen, which is, um, do, you, uh, do you see a change in the way that your teams who have had to be flexible and innovative as things have moved forward over the past three months, are there things in that that have happened during COVID-19 that you think you'll take forward into the future? Uh, that you can build on? Oh, absolutely. Um, and particularly, it's this use of virtual meetings. Um, yeah, virtual meetings, definitely. Use of technology, never for us, and I think quite new for them as well. So definitely, that's a change. People working from home, uh, I think we've always had that feeling in our business in manufacturing, you had to be seen to be there to be. We've got used to working from home. We've proven that we can be as effective working from home. In fact, I think sometimes more effective. So that will certainly go forward. And I think our people in the manufacturing lines or offices have got used to the fact that we're not all there every day. Initially, they wondered why they were coming in on the lines and why office workers were working from home. But now it's just become the norm. That's actually interesting. So I've asked Kat to keep the, the slide up so, so people can see it because there's, there's a lot there. Um, so uh, again, from, from those uh, on the webinar, are there um, other things here that are uh, are similar to what you have used? Are there things here um, that you would disagree with, or uh, other things that you think in your business are going to also be important? Um, and also for those who are supporting businesses, um, what does that make you think about um, you know delivering support over the next six to twelve months? Yeah, thanks, David. Helen, again, I agree with you. I mean, obviously, you sit in the People and Skills Board at Scotland Food and Drink, and leadership and management has been a, a common theme, which we've been working with the industry over 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 several years. And um, it's not a one-size-fits-all in terms of how we support uh, leaders and managers and businesses of all sizes and, and, and from different subsectors. So I think uh, moving forward, there's kind of real opportunities to do a kind of deeper dive uh, and understand what are the kind of key kind of like, uh, issues, capabilities that are required uh, addressing. Again, uh, within SDS, uh, over over the past couple of years, we've been very focused in terms of this kind of messaging around about meta skills. So really looking at kind of like self-management, um, social intelligence, uh, and innovation. And within those kind of three categories, there's there's a kind of group of um, 
personal kind of characteristics and qualities which we define as, as meta skills, which really touch on um, I think I think David called them the softer skills, uh, and those are the ones that we we believe that are going to be required moving forward. I think uh, through this kind of pandemic, what workers have demonstrated is that they have been agile, adaptive. You know what I mean? They've very quickly been able to change uh, and develop into this kind of new norm. And, and other sectors are kind of playing catch up with the food and drink sector. Not that it's been with, without its challenges, uh, as both you and, and Gary have kind of uh, highlighted over the piece. But I do think there's there's a lot that we can learn in terms of how you have gone through that journey, but equally support you kind of kind of moving forward as well. I also think there's got to be a. a, a I create an opportunity just to do more kind of like online skills diagnostics with businesses to to understand what is the kind of um, skills requirements which are linked very much to your um, program of development and growth as a business which will hopefully address things like succession planning and make sure that you can start to put um, plans in place to develop staff but also recruit staff uh, as and when required kind of moving forward and again I mean notwithstanding the, the, the challenges again round about physical distancing within the workplace you know what I mean but SDS is very focused in terms of moving forward with their apprenticeship family. Uh, we're, we're currently working, uh, Moira and I, in fact, are working with the SQA uh, and colleagues within SDS and the private sector to look at how we can still continue with foundation apprenticeships. Uh, and equally, you know, I mean, graduate apprenticeships are still very firmly part of our plans kind of moving forward. And even more so, as we recognise, you know, I mean, that through the the kind of uh, economic forecasts and challenges that we're going to face, that there's um, kind of predictions that I mean graduate recruitment is going to face um, huge challenges in terms of where these individuals are going to to find jobs. So I think kind of that whole kind of graduate apprenticeship offer, where you're actually developing talent within your business and, and making sure that, that kind of work-based learning offer is tried and tested uh, and embedded within in the business moving forward is certainly something you can focus on um, uh, as part of the kind of recovery plan. Thanks, Jerry. That's really that's really good to hear. Um, and I know there's been a lot of work done in graduate apprenticeships within SDS, and any help we can get to encourage more people to go into graduate apprenticeships would be really appreciated. Jerry, I wanted to ask you the um, obviously there's a lot of talk about um, youth unemployment and uh, um, uh, as part of the you know forthcoming very likely recession, uh, which is a result of COVID-19. So um, one of the key things here, I think, is um, as Helen and you have pointed out, is in the apprenticeship family and and uh, you know, a clear pathway for someone, uh, uh, you know, coming from school uh, or uh, college or university into the workplace. What kind of thing are you looking for from employers going forward um, when we know that everyone will be um, heavily pressured around um, uh, the issues of the recession? Yeah, thanks, David. So, again, as part of our kind of, kind of labour market insights, you know, I mean, we've identified that there's going to be a huge challenge in terms of, kind of youth transitions 
And uh, I think, you know, I mean, um, the most recent report from one of the first ministers, um, can, uh, economic advisory group, have looked at how there could be potentially be some sort of, kind of jobs guarantee for for 16 to 24 year olds. That was one of the kind of recommendations that they made um, in a report last week. Um, within SDS, certainly we are looking at how we can work with industries to, to start to look at more kind of flexible pathways into a industry. Also, making sure that you know what I mean that we don't lose you know what I mean the kind of enthusiasm of, of, kind of young people who are are very keen to to get jobs within within the food and drink industry, for example. So. There may be some opportunities for things like shared apprenticeship models. There may be some opportunities for um, kind of work experience models, where young people get a chance to work with a with a business for say six months, and then they get a chance to identify if it's something that really suits them, and they can progress on to a modern apprenticeship, or indeed perhaps get into to further education or or higher education. This is a model that we worked on within uh, the agriculture sector over the past couple of years. So there's a lot of really good kind of positive learning. So I think we will be looking to the past in terms of what has worked well, but equally looking towards what are the needs of industry to make sure that we respond to what their needs are at an appropriate time. Um, I was going to ask um, Alistair, does, does this um, kind of list of uh, skills here resonate with you from a McSween perspective? and and what, what are the kind of things that you're looking for in terms of support? So, yeah, I mean, um, we, we've been, uh, as you know, David, we've been involved in a, a bit of a cultural revolution in the last three years. We're working closely with SMAS on the um, lean, the lean uh, house of, of tools, if you like. Interestingly, on the on the um, online content, I'm not sure how inclusive that is, and this has been something I've been thinking about quite recently. We've definitely got a cohort in our business that prefer the, the online training, um, more flexible, you can go at your own pace, self-directed learning, but I'm not sure how accessible that is for the, the people that are on that sort of succession plan that we've got. Um, I, I know that it's easier to put off online training than it is if you're booked onto a course, and we've, you know, we've certainly seen people slipping as they're moving from a sort of a supervisor level up to manager level. Um, almost neglecting their own personal development, and I've, you know, I've I've been working with our HR partners um, to to try and help that. We've we've also um, reached out. We've we've got quite a sophisticated mentoring program with external partners. We we're using um, an HR uh, company to 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 help with the coaching and mentoring, um, and the meta skills. Um, I prefer meta skills actually, Jerry, to soft skills. I think that's a a lovely phrase, and I'll have that. Thank you very much. I think when it when it comes to um, when it comes to sort of m more formal disciplines like the you know your HACCPs and your um, food safety, NEBOSH qualifications um, for our, our, our younger um, people on our management development program, you know we've we've got that blend of an online um, distance learning on HACCPs with actually engaging with a local health and safety consultant to really help on that mentoring program. As I was listening to Jerry as well, I thought, you know, we could call this whole new system a polytechnic and have people that are getting their degrees while working. I think that's a great idea. And when you're president of the world, I'll vote for you, Jerry. That's genius. Thanks. I'm sure I've heard that <laughs> You've got to allow me to come back, David. You've got to allow me to come back. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, again, uh, I, I think, you know what I mean, it is very much, we, we can learn from the past uh, as we move forward. I think that's really interesting just in terms of your, your discussion around about kind of like online learning. And again, that, that's not a style of learning which, which suits everyone. But, um, you know what I mean, the First Minister announced uh, a few weeks ago, you know what I mean, kind of directing um, furloughed workers, but also those in work and also displaced workers to the kind of rich kind of like online learning catalogue we've got in, on My World of Work. And that's got, I mean, lots of free access to learning from, from digital skills to, I mean, I've actually just embarked on a, a creative writing course with the Open University, so look out for my first book in a few, in a few years' time. But again, it's just kind of directing people there, which can also help them with, I mean, Kellen touched initially just in terms of people's kind of mental health. But it's just kind of encouraging people to start exploring learning as a, as a journey which can help you in terms of developing your own kind of personal skills, you know what I mean, your, your own, manage your own kind of like health and well-being, but it can also support you in terms of your, your kind of journey within work or indeed looking for work elsewhere. So again, I'm happy to share that kind of link around about the group after after this this webinar, but it's a very kind of rich resource, which I think people should be encouraged to go and use. Thanks, Jerry. Um, we're in the last few minutes of our allocated time, so I wanted to just check if there were any other contributions or questions anyone has. Moira. Yeah, I would like to, and I don't know, it might be too early to, to ask this question, but I'm very interested to hear from industry. So a large part of our role, and, and from the Scotland Food and Drink Skills Partnership, is to promote the industry, to promote it as a career destination of choice. What would be the key messages? Obviously, there's been this massive disruptor, but the industry will keep going. It's going to keep developing. It's going to innovate. It's going to evolve. What should be the key messages that we are taking out there to the next generation of recruits, to teachers, to parents? Because obviously the food and drink industry has become so crucial and it's raised its importance. We need to capitalise on that. But if there was some key messages that you could give us to, to really promote the industry and to use it as a hook to get people in, what would these be? People's got to eat. It's a, uh, you know, finance, funeral directors and food. <laughs> so people's got to eat, Alistair. I, I, I mean, I suppose that that's, that's quite serious. You know, the industry is going to be here and it's going to keep going. Um, so I suppose that is, that is a key message. I, I don't know what, what do others um, from the industry think about that. I think that sustainability is a very sustainable industry. So I think we have to get that across. I also think it's a very innovative industry and it is an industry that does invest in its people. So people really want to develop. I think we have to get that key message across that the food and drink industry is an industry for the future. It's an industry that will be there and it's an industry that develops people and there are and it's the wide range of career paths that we can offer people in a range, especially and you know, if you think about modern apprenticeships, graduate apprenticeships or coming in. Sometimes people just want to come in and get a job, but it's how you can inspire them then to go on that development journey as well. But I think there's just so much opportunity that we just need to get that across. But I think that sustainability message about the innovation and about the development would be good. That's great. Thank you very much, Helen. That's okay. We're coming to the uh, the end of our uh, our time, so I want to thank everyone uh, for uh, contributing to the discussion. Uh, in particular, I want to thank Helen for having to think about things uh, in advance and uh, presenting, despite her technical 
uh, difficulties or our technical difficulties uh, in doing so. So thank you so much for doing that, Helen. Um, and uh, to thank um, uh, Jerry and Moira for coming up with the idea. Um, as I said, we were recording this and there's been quite a lot of interest in what people had said, but people couldn't come in at this particular time. Um, so uh, thank you very much for uh, joining the webinar. Um, and uh, you can all sign off now. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this podcast from FDF Scotland. You can find out more about our work and if you're a food and drink business, how to join at www.fdfscotland.org.uk.